Welcome to the Veterinary Success Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Douglas. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Quincy Holly and Renee Michelle of Get Motivated. Dr. Holly is a graduate of NC State's College of Veterinary Medicine and worked in corporate for about five years as an associate, and then in 2018, resigned to really pursue his passion, which we're going to get into today, and life mission of providing wellness solutions to his peers within the veterinary medicine community. Renee's worked in vet med in a clinical setting for 15 years as a hospital leader. She co-founded Get Motivated with Dr. Holly in 2017. Renee, Dr. Holly, thanks for joining me. Good to see you both. It's great to be here, Isaiah. Thank you for having us. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure. It's a true pleasure. <laughs> have, my, have my microphone muted. <laughs> it's all good. We're it's leaving that in. Yeah, we're leaving it in. I'm really excited from when we chatted and I didn't really know initially, I was just kind of encouraged, hey, reach out to both of you and that it would be a fun conversation. And I know it will be based on our connection before, but you had shared that you really haven't covered kind of the origin story and kind of that entrepreneurial journey as someone that talks a lot about that on this show of being someone that believes in ownership and just different things that can take a lot of forms and fashion. It doesn't have to be the traditional private practice owner clinical setting. And so I really wanted to kind of open it up to both of you to just share that. I think we'll kind of go in a lot of different directions. So there might be some threads we pull on, but I was told a little birdie said that it started maybe on a soccer field. So I think that's a great place to kick it off. And I don't know who wants to go first, but tell me a little bit about how Get Motivated started and what led you down that path. Renee's pointing at me, but <laughs> I think you tell this story so much better really? about it. Yeah. And I can fill in if you want. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right, or any so, action. <laughs> <laughs> so the scene is we're on this soccer field. A uh, little backstory is so Quincy or Dr. Holly and I were working at the same clinic. And I remember one time he was doing notes in an exam room and he pulled me into the exam room and was like, Hey Renee, like just come in here. I want to ask you a question. And so he came in there or I came in there and he asked me this question. He said something about the way I handled a situation had stood out to him. And he asked me about a book and it was Seneca, the shortness of life and whether or not I had read it. And I hadn't read it at the time. I'm familiar with his work. If you follow Tim Ferriss, he's a fan of his work as well. And so I was like, let's read this. You know, so I read this book and I was reading other personal development at the time. And so we kind of swapped books. And then we went on this conversation about handling things a little bit differently or alternatively to the majority of people. And we began working out together on our lunch breaks which was we would take our lunch breaks at the soccer complex across the street from where we worked. And so that was always fun. Like you have maybe an hour. And so you would run into the bathroom and like change your clothes, jump in the car. Maybe you would change the car, whatever you drive over to the soccer field and we would work out. And we had this idea of creating a book. He thought of it like the plums version, but for well-being. And we said, okay, let's do this. Let's create this. You know, we'll write a book just of our stories, of all the strategies, all the tools, the tactics, anything that someone can apply. And I think within, I don't know, maybe a few months, maybe less than that, we had had another meeting, another park. We do our best work outdoors. 
And so we were at another park and we had this legal pad and we had written VLC speakers. And within and VLC is the Veterinary Leadership Conference, ABMA's yeah. Veterinary Leadership Conference. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so within a matter of months, we had transitioned this idea of a book into a company. And then we pursued our coaching certifications as personal life coaches. I pursued a yoga instructor certification and it went on from there. Our first speaking engagement was like at DelVal APVMA, so pre-veterinary students at DelVal University. So speaking to them, and then we went into CE seminars that we created ourselves in North Carolina, and then it just kind of snowballed. So we were doing this speaking and this coaching, and I'll tell you, the book's not been written yet, Isaiah. (laughs) The book's That's right. That's right. I was like, I don't think I've seen any book that came out. We actually did co-author a book this year with empowering veterinary teams, which is Clin Life 21. But the GM book has not manifested yet. We'll work on that. <laughs> and I guess a little bit more to that backstory too is maybe like why a business, right? Why is that even a thought in our minds? And I know for me personally, a lot of the same speakers that helped me with my well-being and helped me to overcome the burnout and just the subpar life of mediocrity that I was in from 2013 to 2016, basically, they were entrepreneurs. And so a lot of parts of their stories or their journeys was of creating businesses, oftentimes from the ground up, businesses that would go on to transform people's lives. And it had such an impact on myself. And I'm sure Renee, it's the same for you. I mean, guys like Tony Robbins, even, you know, they're life coaches, but they're also business people as well and entrepreneurs. And I think that's where sort of some of that business aspect or business part of Get Motivated came from, because it is a business. And we did start it from the ground up, literally with just a thought in our minds. And a big part of it, too, was that Renee didn't mention was how we, so that first speaking engagement was kind of just like, Someone heard that we wanted to do speaking, I believe it was, a pre-veterinary student that I had met at the AVMA conference in Indianapolis. I had stood up and said some things about well-being. I was at another well-being speaker's talk, and I was like, this is so awesome. I'm so glad to hear about stuff like this in vet med because I hear about it in the business world, but I haven't heard anyone speaking about this in vet med. And then the student approached me afterwards and invited us up. But in terms of like the rest of the history of Get Motivated, we started in a parking lot. So there's a soccer field. (laughs) There's also a parking lot of this small animal hospital right here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We were sitting in a car and our plan was to go door to door to hospitals in North Carolina to promote that CE seminar that Renee's talking about earlier. And we sat there and we were terrified because we're not salespeople at all. <laughs> we didn't have any of that somewhat business sales background. We were just self-taught, basically. And so we're sitting in the car and we're terrified of going in and, <laughs> and basically introducing ourselves to this hospital. And we sat at and we did a gratitude exercise and I think we prayed. <laughs> and then we just got out and went in there, introduced ourselves and 
yeah, <laughs> that's basically how it really started, man. And I think the other part of that is the energy behind it. So why the book, why the company, right? Is when we had had those initial discussions about the way that we stood out among peers is that we were recognizing that we weren't anomalies. And what I mean by that is we started to share our story with each other and with other people that we worked with. And for me, that was a really long journey. My story began when I was early on in my career. And as you had mentioned, and I'll date myself, I've been in the field for many, many years. And so my journey was in my early 20s when I went on to a pathway of well-being. And now I'm in my, I just turned 37, you guys, I'm just going to say it, but late 30s. And so my path was long, but Quincy's was relatively short. He was within the first five years or within the first three years of his like real transformation. But so people that knew me at that time, they were flabbergasted to hear that I ever struggled with anything like anxiety or depression or that I was a smoker. They were like, what? Like you're like a yogi and they just couldn't even fathom it. And so when we started to share these stories though, we recognized that we weren't alone. It wasn't just him and I, but that we wanted to share these, what were at the time secrets, because like he mentioned, people had begun the topic of well-being within vet med, but there weren't any solutions and there weren't people really delving into these things. It was sort of this really bird's eye view of wellness is what they would call it. And then for me, I had started two other companies by this time that were not my companies. I mean, they were my companies because I was co-owner, but they weren't my dream. We'll put it that way. They were my ex's dream. And so it gave me the confidence that I needed to say, okay, I can start an LLC. I know what forms to file and really create just this very small business and do it in an official way. And then with him and I just structuring the programs that we did, it just evolved and it evolved so organically, it all made sense that, like he said, the people who are in this arena, maybe outside of the industry, these things go hand in hand. Most coaches are going to be authors or speakers at some point in time. And so for us to be studying these very successful people in the world in this arena, it made a lot of sense for us to walk a little bit in their shoes. Totally. So there's a couple different things as you were kind of talking and going through it that I want to come back to. The first thing is you started to talk about just forming this business, right? Of coming together and doing this. Did you think about between the two of you personality styles? Are you alike? Are you different? Is one more of like the dreamer? The other one's more the process person. Did you have those conversations? Do you do a lot of the same things? Do you have the same approaches? I know you talked about kind of the stoic philosophy maybe being one of those things that ties you two together, but I didn't know from a co-founder perspective what the differences and similarities were. I think overall, we share a lot of similarities, some of which we do not take for granted, but we tend to sometimes forget 
how easy it is for us to work together. You guys, we'll have conversations where we just call each other up and we're like, look, I need for you to know how grateful I am to be working with you because it is so easy. It's so easy. And so him and I really are in sync in this very, almost like a, I'm going to say like a cosmic way because it takes very little effort. I mean, we do not have conflict. We don't have issues in communication. There's no pressure. So there's a lot of ways that we function the same. And then there's a couple things that are different. I would say that he is innately more of a visionary than I am. He did help me unrust my dream gear. And so that dreamer, that visionary aspect, I think he's certainly more skilled in that area. That's something that I have to put a little bit more effort into. And I think that I'm possibly, possibly, I'm going to make that a new word. So just put that down. More of that type A, because I try not to be type A. I actually make a lot of effort to be a kuna matata and very go with the flow, but it's an effort to do so. I think I'm more processes. But in a small business, when you're two people, you have to do a lot of the same tasks. And so there is still a lot of admin on both of our plates, but there's also a lot of freedom in it too. I think that dreamer definitely describes like me. (laughs) Before getting motivated, I was trying to start a company called Dream Life Motivation because I really wanted to inspire people to live their dreams. And it was people like Les Brown, you know, saying, oh, live your dream. And just so many of my other mentors, some people that I actually know and some professional motivational speakers, I just knew that it was through pursuing my dream that that's like the quickest way to just the best life possible, right? It's like, what else is there to do in this world? To me, a lot of people have a hard time seeing that. (laughs) It's a difficult concept to grasp, but I've been so immersed in this. And so I'll even call it brainwashed by the dream culture that is just who I am and my core. And I think that can be not a negative thing, but sometimes a little bit of uh, something you have to be, be careful with because you can be ready, fire, aim. Right. And it's good to have people like Renee and some of our other team members to keep that in check. (laughs) That's so important, I think. But I remember listening to Mark Cuban. I love Mark Cuban and just kind of listening to him talk business and sales and everything else. And I think in his business, he was that really, really dreamer aspect, ready, fire, aim. And that his business partner was the, the better half, much like Renee. So. I love the ability of it to be easy, especially early on in a relationship with a business. Like if it's not easy, then when it's supposed to be in this like uh, honeymoon stage, you really need to go back to the drawing board and have those conversations. And again, I'm sure there are still times where you guys get frustrated with each other, but like being able to be open and being like, I appreciate you. And just being very candid with that goes such a long way to know that at the end of the day, even if you disagree, like you've got each other's back and it's awesome. So it's rare. It shouldn't have to be, but it seems like there is a lot of partnerships. And there's a great book that I actually read with my partner called The Partnership Charter. But it's really just all about either fixing the partnership you're in or making sure that you don't get into those mistakes early on. And it was excellent. I think it's the best $10 on Amazon I've spent because it saved us a lot in figuring out when we designed the business and just having those conversations. So that's awesome. The one thing I did want to touch on as well is the idea of kind of this I'm going to come back to it in maybe another way too, but 
let's ask it here. So you have this study, right? You have these people, these leaders, these people you look up to. You can read and consume all this content, which is helpful because then you can kind of form your ethos and the way that you're going to operate and take these best practices. And you don't have to reinvent the wheel. But then going out and doing stuff, you learn so much more. And so I wanted to ask this kind of consuming versus doing and how you've learned, because I think so many people get tied up with, oh my gosh, I just don't know what I don't know. And you never will know enough. You got to just go do some things and you'll learn a lot that way. But I just want to hear kind of your opinion of that as folks that have kind of consumed a lot of content, but then also done a lot. Yeah. So for me, in terms of being a practitioner, I always, what I consider myself and Renee as is practitioners of what we read and learn. I've had a really cool business mentor. His name is Joe Dudley. He's that person, you know what I mean? Like started the business with $25 and grew it to over $150 million. I think he was offered for it at one point, a global business. And we had the opportunity to be mentored like in person by this guy. And it was just always, you've got to take action. Even Tony Robbins is just like, (laughs) you know, a real decision hasn't been made until you take action. And so I knew that taking action, we would get the results. And it's through results that you're able to make an impact. And at the end of the day, Isaiah, I really feel that if there's something that you feel strongly about, and who is it that says, like, if you really still, maybe it's Russell Brunson, the whole ClickFunnels community, but he's like, if you truly have something that could potentially save people's lives and help them to live more full lives, it really helps you to get past the fear. When you're talking about consuming a lot of content, but not using it, it's usually just a fear-based thing of you're afraid of the 10 most dangerous words, right? What will other people think and what will other people say? If you go out there and you're promoting dreams, it's 10. I see you counting. Isaiah. it's 10. I've done it. <laughs> I wasn't counting, I promise. Oh, I was just oh, not along. I'm like, he's good. He's got a good flow. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm not turn my video no, off. No, you're good. No, you're good, man. But you know, what people say, what other people think, and it's through getting past that that you're able to make an impact and turn an idea into something that's that can manifest in outward reality. And with Dream Life Motivation, it was a little more difficult. And I even had a, a business that I tried to start before called Prevet World. I had zero of that business and sales experience. And so those businesses never really went anywhere. And it was through sticking to my niche. And another part of it, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, is having really good mentors, man. Like, so not just reading books, but having real life people that you can speak to. I've had the pleasure at the gala. So my mentor, Mr. Dudley, he had a gala. So it's like a huge birthday celebration. And a lot of National Speakers Association, like Hall of Fame speakers and presidents of the National Speakers Association were there. People who had had successful speaking careers, real people. And I asked two of them at the end of that thing, at the end of that gala, what advice would you have for someone like me who's trying to start a speaking business? And they said, stay in your lane was the first really good piece of advice. They said, who's your audience? And I was like, everybody, everybody should be living their dreams. They were like, no. It's not everybody. And it was in that moment that I said, I really need to stick to the veterinary community. These are people I understand. I've had the same challenges and I understand the terminology and what they're going through. And I have the network too, the network to make it work. So that really good piece of advice from a real person that I could actually see who had done this thing was really important in knowing what steps to take next. And there are just so many different encounters, Isaiah, that we could 
tell you about that help us to take action. But I think those are probably my two biggest ones is realizing if you want to make the impact, you got to act and having good sound advice from really solid people. Yeah. I want to piggy onto that. In our profession, I want to speak to the people who have some aspiration to go on this entrepreneurial journey. And we are going to fight perfectionism. If you're in the science community, you have a little bit of perfectionism in you, right? Just a dash. And as an entrepreneur, that is like the enemy. And we have been proven it. And we continue to get this proven to us on a daily occurrence as we put something less than perfect out there, whether it's a flyer, a project proposal, an email. Isaiah, I have spent hours, like five plus hours crafting an email of four sentences, you know, (laughs) just like mind boggling. But when you're early on, you know, you want to make sure that you're using the right terminology, the words and the tonality of your email. So Vishen Lakshiani has this saying that it's completion over perfection, right? Completion over perfection. And so it's like, if it's 80% good enough, he will put it out there. And he says the same thing to his team. And so I got into the habit of getting to that 80% completion point. And then I have this sometimes if it really, if there's like Quincy's thing is, is like the MailChimp button, like when the little sweaty monkey fingers, <laughs> like if you picture that, but whatever you have to picture, mine is just effort. If at some point, like I, am concerned. I just put it out to the world. I'm just like, it's okay. Just let it go. The other thing is, is that most things can be, I don't want to say undone, but could be softened or curbed if you messed something up. I'm a hundred percent positive that we've, we'll say, messed up an email or a voicemail. Voicemails are the worst, right? <laughs> you remember that voicemail that we left? Oh my gosh. They usually give you that option at the end where you can re-record. Sometimes if you're good, you can get to that. Uh, no, we wouldn't that voicemail <laughs> in the car. Oh my God. Talk so, about voicemail. So when we were going door to door, we called this hospital and we left a voicemail and we didn't realize we were leaving it. And then it was we like, too late to go back. Yeah. <laughs> we waited for the button, Isaiah. We waited for that. And it never came. It never happened. came. <laughs> and, and we this were is like crazy voice we were talking. Oh my God, dude. That was, I was like, oh, what have we done? What have we done? <laughs> we're not it doing was so business bad. with that. And yeah. we were laughing. So, uh, yeah. So we. It was, yeah. We messed some things up. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Here we you are know, today, right? Yeah, here you know, we are today. We didn't die You're from okay. it. okay. And I'll tell you, like one of my best cures or anecdotes, we'll say, for anxiety is action. Is if you're living in your head and you're just like choked up all the time, filled with this like ruminating anxiety over whatever's on your plate. If you just start taking action, like Doc said, is whatever that means. Send the email, fill out the speaker forum, just take action, hit complete on a few things. It is the most satisfying thing to alleviate anxiety, especially when running the business, because that stuff will pile up on you. And we're not saying be sloppy, right? Right. 
dot your I's, cross your T's to the best of your ability. Spend three and, hours on the email, not four. And try to make things look good. Yeah. But you know when it's becoming obsessive, right? Mm-hmm. Like you proofread it three or four times and you're like, let me comb through this 12-page document one more time. That could be that point where it's getting excessive. And maybe you need to proofread it three or four times, but have that in your mind that you want to take that action. And I still struggle with that some today. I do. And Renee will just come through and take the document and just send it. <laughs> yeah. Before I've had a chance to like say, it's perfect. Yeah. It's gone. Which is a Off really big, yeah. She did that today. <laughs> I did it today. It's, you did it today. I did it today. I was, it's weird. I was expecting to look at it. It was just gone. I was like, thank God she did that because I was going to spend another hour or two looking at it. And here's the thing. And, so There's it's a really part good. of me that seeks that approval. I think it's just either you seek approval, you don't want to step on someone's toes, whatever the case might be. But here's the thing. If he looked at it and was like, hey, you forgot to take out this picture or do this or whatever. All right. Edit it. Send the new copy. Done. Right. I mean, it's okay. But yeah, just send it. I think one thing that allows you to, you can make mistakes, but one thing that just caught my eye and I wrote it down is just being able to be vulnerable, which I think goes back to kind of the wellness thing of just sharing your story and just being able to let yourself not be perfect and not try to put on a facade because no one is and everyone that thinks that or puts that out there definitely isn't. So that's one thing that I credit you both with and felt that in the first conversation, definitely feel that through this conversation. And one thing I want to back up to Quincy that you said was mentors. I know within VetMed, there's a lot of people that are trying to solve that issue and trying to bring out this ability for better mentorship. I wanted to ask how you were able to garner such a great mentor, because it sounds like a fantastic mentorship that's helped you really have good conversations. Even that mentor just divided you the gala, allowed you to have some people speak into you and say, oh, this is something you should think about. And that could have saved you hundreds of hours of trying to go chase this other dream and say, you know what, I'm actually coming back to the things that I know and focus. So I guess I wanted to know, what was it that maybe you did to either seek out that mentor? And then how would you describe or encourage people that are looking for mentorship to find those mentors and do it in a way that can be beneficial for everyone involved? That mentor, he's not in the veterinary community. He has his own hair products company, if if you will. And the way I came across him, honestly, I'm going to say, I think we talked about it on that first introductory call, but like the universe and law of attraction, divine intervention, chance, luck, whatever you want to call that. And I think being prepared for that moment, Oprah talks about just being prepared for the moment to come. And so when opportunity knocks, you are ready. And I was invited to do a career fair about two hours from where I live here in Fayetteville. And I did not want to go to this career fair. This was one of my veterinary mentors had been invited to a middle school for sixth to eighth graders. It was groups of African-American male professionals to do this career fair. I didn't want to do it. And I basically told myself I wasn't going to do it. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to call the principal and I'm going to talk to the principal of that school. And she sounds really (laughs) passionate about having an African-American male veterinarian go to the career fair, then I'll go. And when I called her, she was so passionate. I was like, I have to go to support the students and everything else. Because I'd done a lot of things like that for schools. I get there. One of the first guys to get up there and introduce himself to the student body was a guy named Dr. John Ray. And long story short, he happened to be a good friend of Mr. Dudley. And he invited me to a gala. And this is another really, I guess, important part of the story. So John Ray was really old. And so when he invited me to someone's birthday 
party. He said, Mr. Dudley's having a birthday party. And I was like, I've never heard of this Mr. Dudley guy. He was like, really? Like the hair products and stuff? And I was like, no, I never heard of him. And he invited me to his birthday celebration. I pulled out my phone. I looked at the calendar and the birthday celebration was seven days from then. And I was like, man, I have to work seven days from now. And it's a one doctor day at the hospital that Renee and I worked at. And I said, sorry, man, I can't make it to this birthday celebration. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to be sitting in some, he was turning 81 or 82 years old, some 80 year old's kitchen, having a birthday party with hats and little blow whistle things. You know, when I told him I wasn't gonna be able to make it, I had to work. He said, you need to be at this event. And he said it with so much conviction that it sent chills through my body. And I just looked at him and said, okay. And it was in that moment that I knew I had something difficult to do. So I leave the birthday celebration. I get his information. He tells me the date and everything. And when I get to my car, I call my wife. She was like, how was your career fair? I was like, it was cool. I met a guy named Dr. Ray and he wants me to meet somebody named Mr. Dudley. And she's like, oh, cool. Mr. Dudley, who's that? I said, he said something about hair products. And my wife said, wait, you mean like Dudley hair products? And I was like, who is that? And why do you know this guy? She said, Quincy, every African-American woman in America knows Dudley hair products. And so I pull out my phone and I Google it. And they're doing 30 million dollars on Wikipedia, you know, revenue. I was like, wow, a lot of what I had been dreaming about and thinking about, you know, when you decide to change your life, to overcome burnout and pursue your dream, I think there are three main areas that you're kind of looking at, right? Like health, wealth, and relationships. So I wanted to transform my body and I did. I wanted to improve my relationship and I did. And then I wanted to improve my financial pictures. I've been listening to guys like Warren Buffett and it's like, you know, these people are so far out, right? Like Oprah and things like that. And then for this guy to appear through, honestly, chance, right? Like somebody, a friend asked me to go to a career fair where I meet this guy's friend. And so I go to the event and it's this huge get with hundreds of people and all these people. One of the few African-American billionaires was there. And it's just like, wow, it was just so crazy. And after that, I started traveling to where he lives in North Carolina because he does like business mentoring for free for people. You know, he just leaves his door unlocked and <laughs> says, come on in. On Sundays, this is pre-COVID, of course. And so my wife and I would drive up there and on Sundays to drive two hours and, and get mentored in business. That story is still so empowering. And I think about it, the part where you had to call off of work, that is. Yeah, it was tough. That was hard. <laughs> I felt bad. I felt mm-hmm. so, so bad leaving the team hanging. And it was Dr. B, chief of staff of our hospital. Oh, I texted her, which is maybe tacky, but I let her know that I wasn't going to be able to come in. And I was just very apologetic about it. And I have no regrets about taking that opportunity because I really believe that, like Renee was saying, like having that mentor just meant so much in the things that he's taught. And I don't know, it just makes seems like dreams can come true, which is really corny. But It's such a catalyst though, right? It's such a catalyst. And I think that that moment really propelled you and us into the future to prioritize 
what is important versus what is urgent. And that's a post-it that is still on my wall. On one side, there's like a number one and it says important. And on the right side, it says number two, and that's urgent. And I think as just humans, we get caught up in what's urgent, what's already on the schedule, what we feel obligated to. And again, just kind of like back to what I said earlier, which is it's not that you have to undo something, but you can undo something. Just because you've committed to something, especially when we're talking something of this caliber that could change the rest of your life, absolutely renegotiate that. And it's okay, right? So when we're talking about people who have these aspirations, who have these dreams, again, look through what we're saying in the right context. We're not saying be sloppy. We're not saying call out of work because you just don't want to come in. But if you have a once in a lifetime opportunity to be mentored by someone who is further along in the path than you, take that opportunity. And here's the thing. If you are transparent about it, most people will support you. Most people will have your back and will do so gladly. They are glad to step into your shoes. Now, it's a fine line to walk, right, when you're doing these things because we started getting motivated in 2017. It's 2021. We worked part-time and full-time and here and there and everywhere over the past few years. And it's not always easy. But when you do meet people along the way who you can be really vulnerable with and really transparent, they support you. And I think it's imperative for entrepreneurs to put themselves around or surround themselves with other entrepreneurs, like-minded people, people who are also taking calculated risks, people who support you on your personal journey, people who, like if you want to be a speaker, go to Toastmasters, other speakers, things like that, because the mentality is the same. And there's so much of this energy that you derive from being around these other people that is going to combat that very complacent life that you had previously been living. And it's very common to, you know, if you're not going to do anything different, nothing is going to change. And so you have to start doing things differently. And now, again, my friend Charlie, you talked to him just last month, I want to say Quincy for the first time, when he hears me talk on these calls, yes, we're veterinary professionals. But now, there's such a business acumen that we do know. And so we're very fluent in the conversations that we have. And it can be quite impressive when we stop and think about how far we've really come as business leaders and where we want to go. And that's something, again, I have written on my wall, what skills do I need to be a better leader, a better operator within Get Motivated. And so again, I'm going to look at other people further along, other CEOs, other you know officers that are in companies, and what is it that I need to do? Because it's a skill set that is completely trainable for veterinary professionals, right? Right. And Isaiah, I want to add to that, along with what Renee is saying, that I don't want people thinking that they have to go find Mr. Dudley, because maybe that's rare. But the bigger advice or suggestion is to hang out where people hang out and to be prepared for when you meet those people. The people are out there everywhere. Mentors, good people who can really help you, whether they are Mr. Dudley's caliber or something different. 
I think the biggest thing is when I was talking to Dr. Ray, there's a part that I left out. Like I went up to him. I literally ran up to him. was like, dude, he was like a speaker himself and a new ex news anchor. He had written a book and I wanted to do these things. And so I went and I was talking to him and I said, you know, my favorite motivational speakers are this person and that person. And he just lit up and he was like, you like Earl Nightingale? You like Jim Rohn? And now we have something to talk about. And so it's not just like walking up to some random guy like, hey, do you have a friend to have a birthday party with some other mentors? There's like, no, I did the homework months before, months before. And even if we take it further back than that, my veterinary mentor who suggested me as the individual to go to this career fair, maybe I had to do a good job around him for him to feel comfortable sending me to represent the veterinary profession. And I felt comfortable calling out of work because I never call out. I don't call out for any reason, typically. And so it's like, it's just all the things. It's all the things that you can start working on right now, today, within yourself. You can go and just find motivational videos on YouTube. You can get books. You can listen to them for free on YouTube. You can get them for free at the library to really start to personally develop, to personally develop yourself as an individual who's going to be prepared for an opportunity knocks. And I think that it's the same for Renee as it is for me. I love that. And yeah, again, to have a mentor that again, might be that successful, that big of a business might not happen in the town or the area that you're from, but there are going to be people that have started and operated businesses that have went through trials and tribulations that can give you great advice and guidance and perspective. And I love the fact that one of the people that inspired you most was completely out of the profession. Because I think sometimes that can be just as helpful to like get out of your own way. And when you only zoom in on what you know, it's like, oh, there's so many other businesses, so many other things that go on that are still relatable back to veterinary medicine, regardless of what you're trying to do and accomplish that you can implement. So I did want to take a little bit, I know we're getting there on, on time a little bit when we're respectful of that, but talk a little bit about wellness. And Renee, I want to ask you a specific question because one of the areas that you brought up that was passion, I think the day that we talked, you had like a good conversation, like right before we jumped on a call. But one of the areas that you talked about really loving was finding that true authentic self and, and having deep philosophical conversations. And again, that kind of ties back to what we said initially of kind of the uh, stoic. That makes me think of that a little bit, right? Can you share some examples of maybe how you've done that personally or conversations that you've had with those within the veterinary community and kind of how that's impacted them as far as being able to truly be comfortable with who they are and where they're at and what they're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So it's tying to what Dr. Holly said, as far as that personal development and it's self-introspection and self-work. I kind of call it life work, but I started with that exploration in the mental health space because I was being treated for anxiety and depression. And so I was seeing a mental health professional at the time. And there was a book recommended to me, I believe it was called Mind Over Matter. And it was this workbook. And you would go through these exercises, but you know, it was almost like prompted journaling. I've always been a fan of journaling. And so that's where I started on my journey. And then through yoga, I went deeper into connecting with who I am as 
myself. And so I think that's something we tend to forget is that when we're looking for connection, we often seek connection externally to our people, to the people around us, whether that be your loved ones or your colleagues. You're trying to seek this approval, belonging, whatever, this sense of connection, which is necessary, right? We need healthy relationships. We know that there is a science behind human relationships, fostering better senses of well-being, living longer, happier lives with less health issues. But there's the other side of things, and that's connecting to yourself. And so through yoga, that's where I began to discover a little bit more about who I am underneath the conditioning, through who I am outside of my studies and outside of academia and outside of vet med. Who is Renee outside of just a career? When you meet someone, it's very typical in all our culture to identify as my name is Renee and here's my career. And that's sort of how we wrap up our identity is by what pays our bills, right? Which is a little bit, not a little bit, it's a lot a bit, an issue. And so it was through that practice of yoga and my mental health practices of journaling and understanding this differentiation between I am not my thoughts, my favorite saying, yoga took me down to the path of mindfulness and separating from my thoughts. And for me early on, that was a hard concept to wrap my mind around. And I suggest people sit with that idea. If you've never heard that saying, really sit with it, that you are not your thoughts, meaning that you can have an anxious thought without being an anxious person. It's okay to have a thought of fear or scarcity or worry without over identifying with it, without creating a reality based on that thought or an emotion. So if you are a very emotionally driven person, very sensitive, then oftentimes your outward reality is completely a reflection of your inner world. And if you're not aware of it, most of the time, our inner world is relatively turbulent. And so it takes a degree of consciousness and mindfulness to start owning that control, owning our attitudes, owning who we are, and being willing and open to rewrite the story. It's okay if you grew up in Detroit, Metro, Michigan, and you didn't have a lot of money and you struggled in the beginning. That's my story. It's okay, but that doesn't mean that is who I have to be now. It doesn't mean that if you go through a divorce that it has to look a certain way. You can be civil. You can be loving. You can be respectable with someone who you shared time with. Living this sort of alternative or authentic life is done in such a way that you're not operating out of this fear, ego-driven space because you're a witness to the processes that are happening. And those processes are a part of the human experience that are innately there. And so I feel like that was kind of a tangent and maybe some big concepts, but those are the kind of conversations when you really get into it that will begin to flow. And when you start to have those conversations with people who 
none of this was in my vocabulary 10 years ago. And so now I'm happy that it's in my vocabulary, but better yet, it's in the vocabulary of our culture. We're having these conversations. People are familiar with these terms. And so you can go down the rabbit hole of any one of those terms and figure out what shows up for you or what's coming up in your daily life and then how you can manage it. Because without an awareness, you can't manage something. But once you have that awareness, you're completely able to manage it, change it, rewrite it, flip it, whatever you want to do. And I like having those conversations. The conversation that you're referring to is just like Quincy, that friend of mine was my sleep technician. I went in because I was having heart palpitations and I had a history of insomnia and my heart palpitations would increase at night. And so he was a sleep technician and he's 20 years older than I am or so. We are the best of friends. He is my super soul brother. We are, again, cosmically connected because we were open enough to have a conversation and shared our stories about anxiety, and it just blossomed from there. And so I think when people are willing to be open about who they are and have conversations, you foster these connections with other people, with yourself. And it's through those conversations that we got to have a friendship who he introduces me to different topics, exercises, techniques, and I get to share with him and we just kind of blow each other's minds and you just figure this thing out. And I mean, Quincy and I have these conversations and it just happens. But even for people who aren't like in it, in it, I'll say, say like my fiance, he's not in it, in it, but every now and then it just rubs off on him and he just kind of absorbs it and he's able to be present in it. He shows up as his best self and he might use a term like that. And then I say, I'm grateful. And he said, well, you know, had I not met you, I wouldn't have even known that was like a word. So there's that, I guess I digress. Does that answer the question? That's perfect. It's like you said, there's a lot of different things that you just shared that there's amazing. I love the, you are not your thoughts. So I always like try to pick out things and I don't know, maybe that makes it to the the episode title of this. I don't know for sure yet, but I love that. And there's been a handful of things. You talked about unrest, the dream gear earlier. There are just different things that you've shared that I'm like, I really appreciate that. And I should have known. I mean, I only ask a handful of questions and there's so much good stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so many other questions we can go over here. I did want to just hear Dr. Hall, if you had anything to kind of follow up on that, because there's a handful of other questions, but I, I think just from a timing perspective, I'm not going to be able to get all of them today. So I didn't know if there was anything that you wanted to maybe add to that as far as those either true authentic self these deeper kind of conversations that you've had and just kind of tying that into what you all are doing and get motivated in life in general, both personally and professionally. Yeah. So the first thing is have awesome friends like Renee, because I get to hear about this stuff all the time. And then so I get to hear Renee's presentations all the time. And so it's just like compounding my competence in this stuff that really helps me in my day-to-day life. So that's the first thing, you know, find some awesome friends who aren't going to gossip to you and bring all the drama in the world to you. That's what I got out of that. But aside from that, though, I have done through all my studies is basically go through and really study a lot of the people at the top 
of like every industry. So the music industry and different genres in the sports industry, in the business industry, all types of industries, things like that. And there's always the same general principles and foundational principles that they go by, not things that they do, not tools necessarily that they use, but the principles by which they live and the strategy by which they live. And that's where I get a lot of what I teach through Get Motivated. motivated. And with that, most of them can speak to you about your true self. There's something deeper than the personality, if you will, something deeper than the ego, than the manifestation and the name that you go by, that's a part of every person. And my favorite book of all time is The Science of Being Great by Wallace Waddles. It's my guy, man. When I die, I'm going to find Wallace. I think I already know him pretty well. I've read all his books like 50 million times. So at any rate, but the very first sentence of that book is, there is a principle of power in every person. And by the intelligent use of that principle, man can develop himself, develop whatever faculties, I'm paraphrasing now, that he wants to do. And he can go in whatsoever direction that he wants to go in in life. And he didn't say there's a principle of power in some people or in most people. He said there's a principle of power in every person. And that principle of power is that true inner self that everyone's got it. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter what flops you've had. It doesn't matter how many failures you've had. It just doesn't matter. Everyone's still got it deep down inside. And I've seen enough stories of people who have gone from extreme adversity to great success in their eyes, in their terms, right? Because success is different to everyone. But I think that it's true. I would hope that I discovered my own. And when I remember (laughs) to go there and to live from there, things are good. (laughs) And when I get off track, when when I get off the seat of my soul, as Oprah or Gary Zukav would say, from the book, Seat of the Soul, things get a little rocky, but you know, you try to get back to that seat. And yeah, I'm such a huge proponent of just personal development and reading and studying because once you do that enough, you will find the answers that you're looking for. Well-being, business, health, wealth, relationships, it's all out there. It's all there. And I think as it relates to Get Motivated, when we started Get Motivated, Quincy would treat 20 plus patients a day. Renee would touch 12 to 30 patients a day. But at the end of the day, there's a cap of how many lives that we could change. I am proud of my abilities as a veterinary technician to advocate and to care for animals and to read them in a way that isn't taught in books. And it's hard to teach even in a training setting. But if I could teach other people how to be happier and more blissful, then I knew I could change the lives of more pets. And it's through client communication and animal handling that that happens. When you go into a practice these days, you might find a human interacting with an animal and they're stressed out and the animal's stressed out and they're angry at the puppy for fidgeting, being a puppy, right? Or some other breed who's just 
exhibiting their breed behavior. But when it's 7 a.m. and the Maltese puppy is just being a Maltese puppy and you're that level of angry, chances are it's not about the Maltese puppy. It's more likely about your life's a daggone mess or you're burnt out. And if we can help teach these principles, these lifestyles to people that it would grow throughout the world and there would be these beacons of light who would interact with an animal or a client and they would make their day. There is those times of pride when you have the kid who normally needs sedation or a muzzle or something like that and you were able to ease their fears and they didn't have to go through such a stressful visit there's such a moment there that you've made their experience at the vet a positive one and when you do that for the animals you do that for the humans and when you do that for the humans on the other end of that leash you do it for the animals because there's such a cyclical effect in all of these energies being exchanged that it's going to further promote. I mean, you're seeing these people week after week after week or month after month or year after year. And so again, when we can do this work and we can empower people and we can equip them with the skills they need in order to handle life's challenges and the challenges that are inherent to vet med as caregivers, that we can just help more animals and we can help more people and we can really make a larger impact on the world. I think that's the undercurrent of it all that probably gets maybe a little bit swept away with some of the other stuff, but that's how I think it translates into the heart of Get Motivated. And when Quincy was talking about that prayer that we had said on our first time of like cold calling a hospital, that was it. We wanted to speak from the heart and not from our heads or not from our tongues. You know, we wanted to really speak from our heart because that's what we're here operating through. And that's what we want to help other people do is live their lives, lead their lives through their hearts. Because even if you're not a leader within the industry, you're a leader in your own life. And there's so much freedom that comes when you can step into that power that he's referring to. Yeah. I love that. Operating from the heart, doing it with intention, having a greater impact across so many different channels. I think that's a great spot to finish it off. I think I'm going to get some guests here in a second, but thank you so much. For those that are interested in chatting more, learning more about it, where would you send them? How should they reach out? Where should they connect with you? Yeah. So we have a couple of different websites. We have getmotivated.com. If you're interested in speaking and things of that nature, or that's our main website. And it's getmotivated, not vetted, vetted. All right. And maybe you can put like a link in the description or something like that. I'll absolutely have all the links that way. It'll make it easy with spelling and all that good stuff. And then we've got uh, Get Motivated University, which is the world's first school of well-being, specifically for veterinary professionals. And we're really, 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 really excited about that. One thing that Renee and I realized is that we'd essentially put ourselves through well-being school. Veterinarians know and vet techs know about vet tech school and, and veterinary school. 
and you can get the doctrine and become competent in veterinary medicine and veterinary science through veterinary school, but it's through well-being school that we hope that people can learn all of what we're talking about so they can find us there. At Motivated University, we've got some race-approved courses there and over 40 plus hours of uh, non-race-approved content there. And our podcast is housed there as well. And it's our platform for just talking about this stuff and really educating people as best we can. And of course, we're on all of your favorite social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We're working on TikTok. I need to stop managing Gavin's and go ahead and manage Get Motivated. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I love it. I will. Yeah, yeah I was say, I'll link to as many things that people can find you on. The TikTok thing just brings me back to the funny conversation we had before we got started, but <laughs> I digress. I want to say thank you, Dr. Holly, Renee, for the time, the transparency, the honesty, the openness. Like it's fantastic conversation. I know there's a lot that people will take away from it. And again, it's just kind of touching, you know, just a little bit of kind of what you guys do, but your story is one that's fantastic. And I really appreciate that. So thank you so much. Thanks for inviting us, man. Really Absolutely. appreciate it. You've created a great space here for that to shine through. Thanks for listening to today's show. The comments made on today's show should not be taken as investment, tax, or legal advice. All comments are for educational purposes only. You should consult your team before implementing anything. Isaiah Douglas is a partner of Vincere Wealth Management. Isaiah is registered in the state of Indiana, California, Texas. The biggest compliment you can give to this podcast is to share it with a friend. Reviews help the show get found, and Apple Podcasts is the platform that predominantly is how people listen to the show. If you have three to five minutes, you like the show, please head over to Apple Podcasts, give us an honest rating and review. That'll help more people find the show. For all of today's links and information, head over to veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. There you can subscribe via your favorite podcast platform platform so you won't miss another episode. Finally, if you'd like more information, insights, and have the ability for your voice to be heard and interact with show guests, join the private Facebook group. You can go to the Veterinary Success Podcast on Facebook or head over to the veterinariansuccesspodcast.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom where it says about your host and then click on the Facebook icon. That'll bring you into the Facebook group. I'll approve you. You'll be in. And then I'd love to hear your questions, feedback, and anything that you'd like to see added to the show. So with all that, thank you so much for listening. I'll be talking again to you soon.